plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. Hey, folks. Greg Allman with the Tampa Bay Times and tampabay.com. Uh, checking in for episode 44 of the Locked on Bucks podcast. You're probably listening to this uh, Thursday morning, uh, getting ready for Buccaneers home game against the Denver Broncos on Sunday at Raymond James Stadium. Uh, lots to get to. Newsy Wednesday to uh, recap for you guys. Obviously, we get a lot of access to players and coaches on a Wednesday. Uh, open locker room, uh, talking to the offensive coordinator, uh, talking to Jameis Winston, uh, Dirk Cutter, as well as... Uh, Conference calls with Gary Kubiak and Akib Talib on the Broncos end. So a lot to get to. Um, and honestly, what, what I'm kind of most curious about to open up today's podcast uh, is Mike Evans up against the Broncos secondary. Um, obviously, Denver Broncos have a great defense, one of the NFL's best. Um, and curious to see how this Bucks passing attack that has been fairly prolific, even if it's been coming from behind a lot this year, uh, does against just a, a ridiculously talented Pro Bowl-laden secondary, uh, not to mention a, a tough front seven for the Broncos as well. Uh, not just one, but two Pro Bowl corners coming into Tampa on Sunday in Aqib Tlaib and Chris Harris. Um, just dangerous, dangerous guys to throw at. We, we saw Jameis Winston go after Patrick Peterson in the Arizona game, and, and Pass got intercepted deep. Um and again, uh, I don't know that it'll be Talib on uh, Mike Evans, but certainly the expectation. Uh, Akib Talib, you know, in talking to him, uh, our, our lead NFL writer Rick Stroud wrote on Talib for today's paper, for Thursday's paper, uh, and was very impressed just to hear the uh, the recent maturity for Akib Talib. Here's a guy who, uh, even this spring, was still getting into trouble for shooting himself in the leg. Um, but appears to have turned a corner, talking about how much more mature he is now at age 30. Uh, obviously did not work out. Um, you, know, you always think about NFL teams having a balance between uh, talented and troubled and how much of one you can tolerate with the other. Uh, and Akeem Tlaib, you know, was a great draft pick for the Bucks out of Kansas. Um, I was looking at most interceptions by any Bucks player since 2008, okay? Total interceptions as a Buck since 2008. Uh, Akib Tlaib still has twice as many as any current player, uh, even though he's been gone nearly four full years. Akib has 18 interceptions as a buck since 2008. Nobody on the current team has more than nine. Uh, this is a defense that really has sorely missed having a ball hawk like Tlaib, a guy that can get you uh, four, five, six interceptions in a season. Uh, Levante David has nine, if you're wondering. Uh, Jonathan Mays has seven, had seven in his first two years, and just hasn't had any since. Um, but anyway, uh, Talib, you know, we were looking, and, and obviously Talib is great at interceptions. What Talib is really outstanding at and, and dangerous at for an opposing quarterback is the pick six. Um, has five of them in 33 games with the Broncos. Five pick sixes in 33 games with the Broncos. Uh, had Has one already this year. Um, had two in each of the last two seasons. Uh, has nine for his career. He's only in his uh, ninth season right now. And Tlaib has nine career pick sixes. The NFL record is 12. That's Rod Woodson. Uh, Charles Woodson has 11. 
Uh, and again, Talib is, is in a nice, I think he's tied for fourth in a strong group that has a, you know, a Hall of Famer like Ken Houston, uh, another Hall of Famer, Ananias Williams, some really good names in there. And Talib still certainly has a couple of years left for him to challenge that. Uh, Bucks would like to do their best not to let him get number 10 on Sunday. Uh, Broncos defense, again, just statistically, before we get back to Tlaib here, um, statistically fourth best in the NFL, only allowing 178 passing yards a game. Uh, some of you guys that follow stats closely, uh, a lot of people like yards per attempt as a telling uh, figure, not really total yards, because total yards, again, if you throw the ball 58 times, you can appear to have really good passing numbers when you pass a lot. Uh, but the Broncos only allow 5.7 yards per pass attempt, which is really low. It's within like a fraction, within a couple inches of Arizona for the NFL lead. Um, usually you see that number up around eight or so, 5.7 yards per attempt. So when you are completing passes, uh, it's a lot of dink and dunk and smaller screens and stuff. Not a lot of big plays down the field. Uh, Bucks obviously aren't nearly as good in that department. Broncos have only allowed two passing touchdowns in their first three games. So it'll be neat to see the NFL's touchdown leader, Jameis Winston, up against the defense. Uh, there's only three in the NFL that have given up fewer touchdowns than the Broncos have with two in three games. I was looking at uh, you know what Mike Evans can do against them. Obviously, Mike Evans has had three really good games. He's top five in the NFL in yards, in catches, in touchdowns. Uh, but it's like since the start of 2015, Broncos have only had – uh, three guys get 100 yards receiving against them. Um, Travis Benjamin did it. Uh, Antonio Brown had a really good game against them, had like 182 or something like that. But that's Antonio Brown. He's kind of in his own separate realm as NFL receivers. Go right now. I'm curious to see uh, how often the Bucks go to Mike Evans, even when, he, when he's well covered by a Pro Bowl cornerback or whether they try and open up somebody else. Uh, Dirk Cutter made the point of saying that um, – the Broncos, uh, when the Broncos go to their sub package, it's not a nickel, it's actually a dime. So they put six defensive backs uh, on the field at once. A nickel defense is five defensive backs, and when they add a six, they call it a dime. Um, and Dirk said in his history in the NFL, in 10 years coaching the NFL, he's never seen a pass defense uh, as deep and as strong as the Broncos. Usually, he said, when you see an NFL team put six DBs on the field, you can sit there and point out and go, oh, we need to attack that guy. We need to attack that guy. Uh, there's vulnerabilities on the field. And he said with the Broncos, when they go six deep, uh, USF's Kayvon Webster is a guy that comes on the field in that. Um, there's just there's not an obvious weak point in that secondary. So even when the Bucks go three wide with Adam Humphreys, as they had a lot of success with 100 yards uh, for Hump on Sunday against, the same, uh, against Los Angeles, uh, it's not an obvious – weakness or something to exploit with this Denver defense. Uh, sacks, obviously, going to be tough as well. Um, you know, Vaughn Miller, probably as respected a pass rusher, as feared a pass rusher as the in the NFL right now. Uh, he has five sacks this season, which leads the NFL. Uh, Shane Ray, second-year guy from Missouri, uh, had three last week. Uh, so he's dangerous as well. Lots of praise for him. So, uh, again, Mike Evans talked about uh, how much he's looking forward to the physical play that he thinks the Broncos bring from the line of scrimmage. Mike's a big guy, considers himself a very physical receiver. Uh, and he said for him to think of himself as being, wanting to be the most physical receiver in the NFL, he has to do that by proving himself against physical cornerbacks and dominating them. So uh, a lot of motivation for Mike Evans uh, going up against two of the best this week. Uh, one of the things we wrote about for the uh, notes today, I want to make sure we touch on, 
is uh, James Winston and all these pass attempts he has. Uh, 142 pass attempts in the first three games of the season, which uh, leads the NFL and also is the second most ever after three games by a quarterback in his first or second season. Drew Bledsoe had more in his second year. Uh, but that's the only time ever you've had more than the throws. Jameis is averaging, I think it's 47 yard, 47 attempts per game, which is ridiculous. He's had, uh, I think, 52 and 58 in his last two weeks, uh, has reset his career high each week. I was going back and looking, and obviously um, less can be more with a quarterback like that. You don't want any quarterback throwing the ball that many times. It usually points to uh, you got behind, you had to throw the ball a lot to get back. Uh, like Jameis Winston in 2013 at Florida State when he won a Heisman Trophy, won a national title, the most he ever threw the ball in a college game in 2013 was 35 times, and that was it. And then if you remember back to 2014, uh, Jameis got FSU back to the national championship game, but did it with a lot of comebacks and a lot of games where he fell behind early and had to rally the team back. So didn't have more than 35 attempts at all in 2013, had seven games in 2014 where he had more than 35 attempts uh, with a max of 48 in college. Uh, his rookie year last year with the Bucks, I think he had one game with 47, maybe against Carolina, had 50 as a career high against St. Louis uh, last year. And then this year, again, has just kind of blown the lid off that. Uh, was looking at the most ever for a Bucks passer was 68, which is just a crazy amount of passes. Um, I think Brian Greasy did that once. Um, and then I was looking at completions. Like, Jameis had 36 completions on Sunday, uh, which is top five all-time for the Bucs. NFL, the Bucks record is actually 40 completions. Uh, Brad Johnson had a game where he went 40 of 56, just a ton of checkdowns and small passes and drop-offs and stuff like that. Uh, so anyway, lots of talk about wanting more balance on offense. Uh, Dirk Cutter talking about how he doesn't want his quarterbacks throwing in the 50s. I think Jameis Winston, he said, would throw every down if they let him. He likes throwing. He's confident in throwing. Uh, but it's really important they build that run game. This is still a run-first offense, they will tell you. Uh, Charles, obviously Doug Martin's out, which hurts things right now. Charles Sims had six yards on six carries in the first half the other day. Uh, so they have not been able to assert themselves on the ground. The offensive line has not been able to uh, establish the line of scrimmage with a consistent run game. Dirk talks about uh, repeat runs. He thinks to have a good running game, you have to run the ball more. You have to let a running back get into a rhythm. You have to let blockers feel exactly how someone's going to block a play. And then, honestly, you can run the same play until the defense figures it out. You just keep running it, and if it gives you, if you gash them for six yards and eight yards, you don't have to change the play call. You're just making them get beat the exact same way over and over again. Uh, keeps your defense off the field, gives you some time of possession. Um, and I think an offensive line uh, likes nothing more than moving down the field, run blocking, and dominating an opponent. So not something we've seen the Bucs do, and it will not be easy for the Bucs to do it against Denver uh, on Sunday. One injury note we want to get to, uh, speaking of offensive line, uh, Joe Hawley was held out of Wednesday's practice with an ankle injury. I think this is just something uh, precautionary and preemptive. Uh, had to go back. I remember it during the game, but didn't see how bad it was. There was a sequence at the start of the fourth quarter where the Bucks lost two offensive linemen in a sequence of three plays. Uh, they're blocking on the opening play, a pass play of the fourth quarter, and uh, Rams ran a stunt where Aaron Donald had lined up as an end and then went around and went directly at Joe Hawley. And at the same time, uh, they had, uh, I'm blanking on who it was, 91, uh, came in as an end a tackle 
and went outside. And that tackle uh, fell hard on the back of Joe Hawley's left ankle. Uh, he was down, had trainers attend to him. Hawley's he's a tough guy. He's not going to let much of anything take him out of the game. So trainer comes on the field. You have to take one play off. So Evan Smith came in. But literally after one play, Joe Hawley was back. Played the rest of the way. Uh, so I would think unless he just played through something very bad that he shouldn't have, you should see Joe Hawley back and able to go probably practicing Thursday, Friday, and going on Sunday. We'll know better today. Uh, Evan Smith, who had stepped in at center two plays later, had to step in for Kevin Pample at left guard. Um, I think Kevin just had some cramping issues and dehydration issues, but uh, he was done on the injury report. The four guys that hurt themselves in Arizona and did not play against the Rams are all still out. Uh, that's running back Doug Martin with his hamstring. Uh, that's defensive end Robert Ayers with his ankle. Uh, tight end Luke Stocker with his ankle and receiver Cecil Short with his hamstring. Those four hurt themselves against Arizona, have not been in practice that we've seen uh, since then. So obviously that's another week where they might be out unless they get back uh, Thursday. Reasonable to think those four are still inactive again on Sunday, which is unfortunate for the Bucs. Uh, Robert Ayers, you know, played for the Broncos, came up with the Broncos. Uh, so I was hoping to be able to talk to him about that Denver defense and what he remembers about that, uh, what insights he can bring to the Bucs about why that defense is so good. Uh, and Robert Ayers does not want to talk right now. Um, I had asked him Monday. He said no. I asked him again Wednesday. And he's not going to talk until he's back on the field again. doesn't want to talk about things uh, until he can get back out there. I don't know that that's this week or not. Uh, but, again, Buck's still dealing with some injuries on that. Uh, another kind of neat thing came up Wednesday was Austin Sferian Jenkins. Uh, he has not talked to reporters in New York yet. Uh, was supposed to be joining the Jets after Wednesday's practice. Uh, so I think you'll probably see him talk to the New York media for the first time today on Thursday um, on his 24th birthday. Uh, but in talking to Jameis Winston and talking to Cameron Great yesterday, there's definitely a uh, a lot of goodwill going to Austin Sperrin Jenkins. Uh, Jameis said it hurt him uh, to see Austin go just because of the time they put in together trying to get better as young players. Um you know, Sperry Jenkins, obviously, uh, just to go back to last week, had a DUI arrest early Friday morning, uh, was waived Friday afternoon, and got claimed on Monday by the Jets. So he has a fresh start. Uh, it certainly sounds like the Jets are going to let him come in with a clean slate. Uh, Todd Bowles, as a coach, has a lot of second-chance guys on his roster. You think about uh, guys that have gotten in trouble, whether it be a Sheldon Richardson or a Brandon Marshall. Uh, even Quincy Anunua has, has come off of suspension. Uh, there's lots of guys that have been in that same boat and are benefiting from getting a second chance. Uh, Austin, probably you could argue, is on his third chance right now just because he had trouble in college. But uh, Brandon Marshall is a guy who's been traded three times, uh, has kind of earned second chances in a couple different places. And Brandon was saying uh, yesterday to the New York media that he very much wants to be a mentor to Austin, wants to be somebody who can help him uh, make the most of this opportunity. So it will be interesting to see what he can do for New York. Uh, the Jets certainly need to have help. Uh, but the Bucks, again, uh, in talking to them, we're certainly wishing him well, wanting to see him uh, kind of get on the right path, if you will. Uh, I think they miss him as a teammate and miss him as a friend as well. Uh, I want to get to uh, mailbag here in a second. But what they want to point out is that these AFC teams like the Broncos uh, Bucks do not face often. The, you know, the, the rotation of an NFL schedule is that you're playing an AFC team every four years. Uh, and the Bucks lost to the Broncos in 2012, in 2008, in 2004. So the last time they beat the Broncos uh, was 1999. Uh, literally in the aftermath of John Elway's Super Bowl win and retirement, 
from the 98 season. Uh, they faced him in week three in 1999 with uh, Brian Greasy running the show in Denver. Uh, Broncos got out to an 0-3 start in the post-Elway era, and one of those losses uh, was a 13-10 win by the Bucks. Big game for Mike Allstott that day. Uh, went for 131 and a touchdown. But it tells you how long it's been. It's literally uh, 17 years since the last time a Bucks team beat a Broncos team. Uh, and they've got a couple of those. Obviously, when they go to play the Raiders, uh, when they go to play the Chargers, those are teams they haven't beaten in a while. Uh, I think both of those go back to 04 since the last time they beat uh, those teams. So a couple of, of uh, long losing streaks they can work on ending. Uh, a couple things in the mailbag. I want to make sure we get to that. Thank you guys for your interaction on the mailbag. Uh, if you have a question or a comment for the podcast, please uh, shoot me an email at uh, lockedonbucks at gmail.com. And uh, hit us up on Twitter at Locked on Bucks. Uh, hit me up. My personal Twitter is Greg Allman, A-U-M-A-N. Uh, B. Weish on Twitter. Brandon asked a question about J.R. Sweezy. We really haven't had an update on the guys that are on the pup list that have been out since the start of training camp. Uh, I actually saw J.R. Sweezy uh, in the press box uh, before the game Sunday. The inactive players uh, and your injured players kind of mill about. I think they stay in a suite during the game. Uh, but they will come and eat from the same spread that the media will eat before a game. So saw some of the inactives there. I did see J.R. Sweezy. did not talk to him. It's always one of those weird gray areas, whether it's okay to talk to a guy there or not. Uh, was walking around fine. Uh, but we have no idea what his back is like right now. Uh, guys in the pup list have to sit out six weeks. So when the Bucks get done with their bye week in week six, that is when Sweezy could, in theory, come back and start practicing. That is when Lewis Murphy coming off an ACL could start practicing again. But there's very little we've seen or heard from the team to suggest anything in terms of where those guys are, if they're back, if they're not back. Uh, the guys on Pup List have a three-week window that starts in week seven where they can either return to practice and be activated or they have to go on IR or something. It's a, it's a short-term roster exemption that doesn't last like I said, it is still a full three weeks before we'll even know where things are with J.R. Sweezy. Uh, you wonder if at that point how uh, just how entrenched Kevin Pample is going to be at left guard. Bucks spent a lot of money on J.R. Sweezy. They're going to want him out there. They certainly want to give him a chance to be an upgrade on that offensive line. It might relegate Pample back into that sixth lineman role he carried last season. Uh, but they want to see what they have in Sweezy. They want to know if he can be healthy and be the the starting offensive lineman. They paid him a lot of money to be. Uh, Peter Cast, another great podcast. Peter Cast has a question asking uh, when the Bucks could get uh, a guy like Dante Die back. Obviously, the Bucks have kind of shuffled through their depth at receiver. Uh, had Evan Spencer briefly on the roster making the squad. He got cut. Uh, they had called up, they brought in Cecil Shorts. Uh, Cecil got hurt on his very first reception. Called up Freddie Martino. Freddie only played three plays on Sunday. So they're not getting a whole lot out of their depth at receiver, their fourth and fifth receiver. Obviously, Russell Shepard still brings a lot on special teams. He actually had a nice catch, uh, almost a one-handed grab inside the five at the goal line there on Sunday. But Shep doesn't get many balls thrown his way. Um, so Dante Dye was a guy that was cut in the final week of the preseason. There's a weird math with injury settlements where if you get paid an injury settlement, uh, by an NFL team, you can't sign back with that team. I believe it's actually six weeks after the fact. So I think Dante Dye could not come back, even if he was healthy, until uh, the sixth or seventh week of this season. That's certainly an op option. Uh, 
They have not gotten much. The Bucks haven't gotten much on their return game so far. They literally have only taken two kicks out of the end zone in three games. That's the lowest of any NFL team. That's not to speak to any player's uh, hesitancy. I think it's a philosophical decision that the Bucks are not bringing kicks uh, that are in any way deep in the end zone out. I think they're taking that 25 and being happy with it. Uh, and honestly, the opponents that have taken it out against the Bucks haven't had much luck even getting to the 25-yard line. So you can understand that. Uh, but yeah, we'd be curious to see what happens. I think Dante Dye is a guy who can still play in the NFL, uh, who's a deep threat, who has worked to improve his hands and his routes and other things. Really neat story. Dante's a good kid coming out of Division Three Heidelberg, making this team during the season last year and, and having a touchdown at Washington, making some plays. Very likable kid. Uh, we're certainly pulling for Dante Dye there. That should about wrap things up here on the podcast. We're just over 20 minutes here. Uh, tomorrow will be our last preview for Denver on Sunday. Uh, big game coming up for the Bucs. was looking at two of the three writers in the Denver Post. They put their picks online this morning. Two of the three writers. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Not the Denver Post. No. Uh, the, the Tennessee newspaper, of all papers, uh, put out their NFL picks today. And two of their three writers picked the Bucs to beat the Broncos, which would be surprising uh, given where the Bucks are right now and where the Broncos are right now. It would take a big step up for the Bron- for the Bucks uh, and a stumble by the Broncos. I mean, I think you have a young quarterback like Trevor Simeon. Uh, one more thing here, I'm trying to wrap things up. We did get to talk to Danny Vitale yesterday in open locker room. Danny played with Trevor Simeon at Northwestern. So need to see somebody who kind of knew him as a college football player uh, and as an NFL quarterback, marginal NFL quarterback, before he's broken out. Obviously, Simeon, uh, has the Broncos at 3-0, had four touchdowns last week uh, against Cincinnati, so has kind of stumbled into the spotlight as a guy that most people didn't think would be starting for the Broncos. Dirk Cutter was saying he can't remember the last time somebody went from number three to number one like that, where you pass the rookie and Paxton Lynch, you convince the Broncos they can afford to cut Mark Sanchez as a proven veteran. Uh, so anyway, Trevor Simeon, a guy that uh, Danny Vitale is very close with, uh, caught touchdown passes from in college. He remembered uh, Danny's first game at Northwestern as a freshman. They played against Syracuse. It was Trevor Simeon that came in off the bench, had a last-minute drive to beat Syracuse. I think he threw a touchdown with like 44 seconds left. Uh, so he's very aware of the composure and the poise uh, and the smarts that Trevor Simeon has that would give him a chance to be an NFL quarterback. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Bucks go after a young quarterback uh, we had done something uh, yesterday looking at Bucks against young pot, young quarterbacks, and the Bucks have not done well against inexperienced quarterbacks. They've lost the last six games against quarterbacks who are playing in their first five NFL games. It's a strange stat. It just speaks to, I guess, the Bucks defense in general having trouble against just about anybody in the last four or five years. Anyway, lots to get to tomorrow. Thank you guys for listening. This will wrap things up for episode 44. Uh, thank you guys again. For the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com, thanks again for listening to the Locked on Bucks podcast. We will talk to you guys on Friday. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figure it out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.